Lord, this is a remarkable moment in recorded in this most reliable book that the Apostle Paul tells us that he despaired of life itself. Help us to find a way to live that is okay with expressing such transparency, such honesty. Help us to wrap our arms around the cross and we come eagerly to you and we cry out, teach us, O God. Help us to sit at the feet of Jesus as we hear the Bible. In the name of Christ we pray, amen, amen. Asia is referred to in this passage in verse 8. The affliction we experienced in Asia, we might think of China or what we refer to as Asia. Asia is, in the ancient maps, it is a place as part of modern-day Turkey. Um, so somewhere in, in that area, the Apostle Paul uh, lost all hope, despaired of life itself, and had a very dark experience some, oh, 18 to 20 years into ministry. Wouldn't you say that he is a mature believer? I would say he is. And he is the subject of emotional suffering. We don't know the what. It's an affliction. It's an ordeal. It may have been persecution. He's sharing his emotions, but we don't know for sure the what, but we know the how, how deeply he felt these things and his traveling companions. Just by way of, a, of an outline, he's beyond strength. I want to talk about the acceptable experience of dark emotions. We learn that the Apostle Paul is living beyond despair or conquering despair, and God meets him with hope. We'll talk about that. And then he's living beyond cynicism, and God meets him and directs him to interact and trust others. Beyond strength, he is beyond strength. The acceptable experience of dark emotions. Notice verse 8, he uses the word affliction. He says, we are so utterly burdened beyond our strength. And then in verse 9, he says that we received, as it were, the sentence of death. Now, throughout our series, I want to continue to explore why Paul would be so honest with these Corinthians, people who had made it clear that they do not want him nor love him. Uh, that is a, quite, a, quite a, a, a thing to behold as we watch Paul in his transparency. Within the church, talking about today's church, there are acceptable subjects to talk about. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, right? That's an acceptable response. And then there are sort of unspoken 
un- unspoken or unacceptable subjects. And if you were to bring up this unacceptable subject, perhaps a struggle, a mood, depression, something of, of a hardship, an affliction, you might feel like this is just unacceptable. Or I might become an unacceptable person in this crowd because I have deep struggles. It's a strange thing how we present, we evangelicals, Bible-believing people, the books we present to people, the the books we promote, uh, really kind of odd when you think about it. Um, We promote books that have easy steps, easy believism, what's called triumphalism, um, books that seem to fix something in 90 pages. It's amazing. Uh, And those books sell. They're kind of the Christian version of, of self-help books. Um, let me just tell you if, you, if you read a book like that and you get to feel like this is a little too simplistic, you're very wise. You're on to something. And the longer you go chronologically in the Christian life, uh, the more you sense that there is a reality to life that is difficult, hard, and you are moving deeper into deep answers, and you don't have a great tolerance for simplistic ideas. Paul is saying, I was so depressed, I felt like at any moment I was going to die. I don't know, I've often thought about (laughs) when, uh, you know, a church is looking for a pastor, they get the resume, you know, this dynamic person, you know. I've wondered if you could ever talk this way on your resume. <laughs> you know, I've actually struggled with depression. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. We'll call you later. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how one, even in ministerial circles, how you have to present yourself? Oh, you bring me and I'll, I'll, fix, I'll fix everything. After all, everything is fixed in, in my life. This is a, uh, a remarkable moment in our Bibles a remarkably free person, free from the approval of others, moving with power, real power. Would you feel comfortable saying out loud if you do feel this? You know, I just feel hopeless. Could you turn to a friend in the church? Could you feel comfortable talking to your elders? I feel like I'm depressed. I feel like there's nothing coming down the pike for me that's good. Could you ever be honest in the church with those emotions? I hope that you sense you could with the elders we have. I certainly feel I could. Why is it that we don't feel like we can speak honestly about our emotions? I don't think I can solve all that. The text tells us that we can. The the text expresses that there is, I would describe it as an acceptable experience of dark emotions. We don't want to continue to live there, right? But we, at times, it's okay to acknowledge that we are beyond strength. And what we actually see in the, the epistle of 2 Corinthians is an increased 
clarity about what Paul wants to say to the Corinthians. He is not just going to dip into this subject and, wow, I found power uh, uh, in the God who raises the dead, and then he moves on to other subjects. He begins to he continues to explore that subject. I am weak. I'm wasting away. The outer man is just like you know falling apart. He continues to explore where do we find true strength. And it's right here where the deepest, hardest emotions, when they are addressed, I think you feel like you have been ministered to. When someone hears you, listens to you, understands something of your experience, and you feel a connection. So Paul clearly has uh, theology to teach them. He has facts to tell them. Sometimes our relationships are just that way. We're just communicating data and facts, right? There was a book in, in, in youth ministry years ago, and it had an illustration of, a, of someone out in the water uh, on a lake, you know, in a lake scene, and a little stick figure, someone's in the water, and then someone's on the, on the beach, the, the lake shore, and, and, and one image was someone with a megaphone, you know, here, giving advice to the person struggling in the water. And the other image was someone jumping out in the water. And it was, it, it, the, the direction was, you want to work with students, forget the megaphone. Um, go out into the water with them. Go out and help people with what feels unacceptable to share. Paul Turnier, a Swiss physician turned Christian counselor, back in the 60s, he wrote that people live in their feelings. Simple little thought. And sometimes our feelings have a way of defining reality for us, don't they? Feelings present themselves with such force, they present what's real. And Paul is overwhelmed with with this feeling of death. We want good experiences in life. We want comfort in life. We want these good and comfortable experiences to somehow affirm something about ourselves. I made it, I made the right decisions, I was successful, right? So we've surrounded ourselves with a life that we tried to put together, and we affirm, yes, this makes me okay. Interesting. The Apostle Paul is okay with afflictions. (laughs) He's not afraid of them. Uh, He is unconcerned about them. They don't define his life. I would encourage you, and I'm preaching to myself, good or bad experiences do not determine your identity. What determines your identity is whether you are in Christ or you're not. 
imagine a person who has looked right into, into depression and right into despair and with great honesty has said, you do not define me. You're not the last word about me. What Jesus has said about me is the final word. Now that takes a great deal of honesty and determination and that depressed mood will not go away just by saying those words. We were beyond our strength and he wanted his Corinthian friends to know this. And of course he wants to instruct them by his very life. And there's a message for us in the church. We who travel through dark emotions have a ministry. It feels like you're unacceptable in the church or it feels like you could never share these things but then what's interesting is when you begin to share them you notice oh 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 you too oh you as well you as well and the people who you thought didn't have these struggles you now have a connection with and you can minister to them and they can minister to you everyone is struggling with something and i'd encourage us the acceptable experience of dark emotions belong, belongs in the church. Now, God takes the Apostle Paul beyond despair, beyond despair. Look at verse 9, look at verse 9 briefly. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was, oh, I love that transition, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. What a quick transition to, to a beautiful truth, the beautiful truth. That was to make us not rely on ourselves. The experience revealed to Paul and his companions that they were relying on themselves in some way or another. And the experience revealed God's continual deliverance as the God who raises the dead. Verse 10, he delivered us from such deadly peril. Look at the verse 10. And he will deliver us again. Looking into the future of any possible affliction in the future, working the great truth that God ultimately is the God who raises the dead, there's no affliction that will be the final word about the Apostle Paul. Are you fighting despair? Are you fighting despair? Despair is an interpretation of life. It is a conclusion that this is how life is. Oh, I got fooled. I got hurt. I got deceived. There is no good in the world. Just hardship and meaninglessness. Despair is a philosophy of life. It's an anguish of spirit. It's a, a mood that shapes into a viewpoint. You begin to ask yourself, is my God with me? And in what way has he promised to be with me. I think that's what Paul begins to ask in the midst of this 
encroaching philosophy of life, despair is crying out to him, I am the interpretation you should have. And Paul takes this moment to say, no, what's happening is we are turning away from trusting ourselves, managing our life, and we're looking to the most secure place we can look, and that is to God and his promises. In 2 Corinthians, what's being revealed is Paul's inward growth and his confidence in God's never-failing presence and promises. And so we now need to speak to our moods. Speak to our moods. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 that there is exceeding greatness of power with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, God always leads us in triumph in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.10, on him we have set our hope. You see, Paul's inward growth is, even as an apostle, he's learned that his heart must be set continually upon the promises of hope. What is God like and what has he done? And of course, as we explore these things and as Paul explored these things, hope begins to become real. Ask yourself if you are suffering from depression or anxiety, ask yourself this. What is informing my depression? What am I, what's the news? What's the, what's the way I'm allowing life to be interpreted? Where am I getting my source from? What, what are my conclusions about life? And am I fighting with the promises of God? There's a pastor named Joe Novison. He's the pastor of uh, Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church. If you ever want to find a European sort of Gothic cathedral, go to Lookout Mountain, Georgia, and you'll see the stones and the stained glass. And in this cathedral, you'll feel very small. Uh, appropriately so. And Joe Novison's been there some 20 plus years. And when he first, they were considering him to be the pastor. He was very open with them about his continual struggle with depression. He wasn't sure that they should have him as their pastor. And the stories are told of Joe Novison, who fights out loud with his moods. That he walks the halls of the church talking to his depression out loud. travels about a mile down the road to Covenant College and he speaks to the seniors every year, gives them a handout about his discoveries about how to fight depression. Ask yourself, what is informing my mood? What is the dominant news source? And 
And are my conclusions about life true? Now, this can't be done in just 20 minutes. It may take years, years of prayer, years of prayer with your pastor, your elders, friends, your small group. At this place where personal reserves and personal power is drained out of us, where do we look? And Paul says, oh, I get it. I've been looking at myself, and this whole affliction has been a training moment that I would look to the God who raises the dead. Paul even tells the Corinthians in chapter 12 coming up, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. I mean, here's, here's someone who's just who's tapped into the goodness of God so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's, that's pretty cool stuff. This despair grips famous people. This despair grips young people. This despair grips the elderly. It has gripped pastors. It's the battle of faith. And I want to affirm and declare to you that others are with you. And I hope you'll give them a chance. Open up your heart. God is with you. And God will meet you with the sweet promises of resurrection. In the resurrection of Christ, we look at the most difficult subject we ever will face in this life, and that is death. And through Jesus, we look straight at it. And then we see him rise from the dead. And we are in union with this risen Christ. This is not just faith in faith, but faith in the one who was crucified, faith in the one who rose from the dead, faith in the one who has ascended. You read the epistles and how it is the Christian is described. The Christian is described as being in union with this Christ. Ephesians describes you as already seated in the heavenlies. So this is the battle, the battle of, of conquering despair. And it's, it's rooted in our union with Christ. And then lastly, just beyond strength, first idea, beyond despair, or second idea, third idea, beyond cynicism. We live in a cynical age. Look at verse 11 briefly with me. Look at this, how he brings it home to prayer. Verse 11, 
You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. We've, we've presented ourselves as weak. We've presented ourselves as needy. we presented ourselves as desperate. And we now present ourselves as fighting cynicism because we need you, we believe in you, and we need you to pray for us. Paul's not giving up on, on closeness with the Corinthians. Paul has been fighting a self-orientation even in his apostleship. And now he's reaching out to the Corinthians, I need your prayer. You know now how to pray for me. You know how to pray for me. You know why uh, at times if you have been praying for someone and they do give you a positive answer to prayer, do you know that something was received as a breakthrough do you know why your heart leaps because you were invested in that you spent time with them before the lord paul has shared the depth of his heart to draw the corinthians into this truth we are as believers connected to each other in every possible way not just a nice church thing, not just a glib church smile. We are connected at the place where our emotions are difficult, dark. We're connected at, we are truly connected to each other. Would you want to, I mean, would you want to be part of that? I hope you will. hope you do. That, that, that this group here at Trinity is growing in what it means to be authentic, sharing concerns, being community together. Social media, others have commented on the curated self. Like, a, like an art museum where the, the art is displayed just perfectly. Right? You notice that in your you know, social media postings. We all do that, right? We all want to share this, this kind of perfect view of ourselves. But what about where we really live? Can we pray for you? God's deliverance includes prayer. Do you know God can do anything at any time to alleviate our affliction? God can do a direct work. He certainly can and does. But you know he has ordained what theologians call or philosophers call secondary causes. Prayer is a secondary cause. And he's ordained those secondary causes. Preaching, fellowship, the, Lord, the Lord's Supper. He's ordained these means to accomplish his goals. And prayer is right there. I'm going to talk more about prayer next Sunday. It's the war of faith, and Paul wants to bring the Corinthians into it. 
And he has, by doing this, demonstrated he's overcoming cynicism because they have deeply failed him. They have not loved him well. And he is by faith living as an apostle before the God of the resurrection. He even says later in chapter 7, I have perfect confidence in you. How about that? He wants the blessing, this is verse 11, the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. He's promoting the communion of saints. For the Romans, he prayed. For the Ephesians, he prayed. For the Colossians, the Thessalonians, the Corinthians. And so he battles cynicism. Well, one last thought, one question. Why share this with people who have failed to love you? I think most of us would uh, be a bit cautious, wouldn't we? (laughs) To share our heart with someone who's who's failed to love us, I think we would be. Well, why would he be so vulnerable? Well, it depends on what story you think you're in. If you're in the story where people's approval and opinion means everything, then your heart is shut. You live with a curated self. You're not likely to share yourself, your heart, your inner experiences. But we, brothers and sisters, are in a different story. It's the story of a God who meets us in our deep experiences of this life. And he communicates to us that we are part of a story where we are fully accepted. You are beloved. You are known through and through and accepted. God receives you full and full through fully and thoroughly through the work of Jesus. And what is the opinion of other people? We should move more freely in the power of the gospel. If you've had really good experiences in life, great you are still in Christ. If you've had an amazing marriage, great, you still need the resurrection of your body. If you have a struggling marriage, you are not defined by that. You are in Christ. And if you struggle with moods, you are still in Christ. And the more we can discover that, the more we can share what feels so hard or difficult or what might just cause us to, to, to be unaccepted. May we as a church move in this gospel power to create this gospel culture of, of course, it makes sense that you're depressed. It makes sense that you're anxious. I'm with you, and so is God. I hope you'll enter into this. I hope that you will begin to connect your emotional life with the riches of grace that are found in the gospel. It's a continual work of the heart. But boy, is there rich freedom 
new rich joy as God meets us in those moments. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time we've had together. Just the feel of it just feels so important. Thank you for the honesty of this man who was so disregarded by so many. And he overcame people's opinions by this mysterious power of the cross. And so, Lord, help us to turn to you and find you receiving us, find you accepting us, find you singing over us with joy. And, Lord, help us to boast well in you, the God of the resurrection. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.